0: Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. Today we are offering six conversations from episode 43, our career week interviews with agent diagnostics CEO Rachel Zayas and Novo Nordisk International Vice President. Michelle Long. In this final section of my interview with Michelle Long, we focus on the advice Michelle would give a person in academia who wants to consider a corporate career and conversely, what she now looks for in a corporate candidate coming from academia. Finally, Michelle discusses the topics and issues on which she expects to spend the bulk of her research and conference time over the next year. We each think we know a lot about the jobs we do, or at least I hope we do, but we know far less about other jobs we might find intriguing and valuable and exactly what makes the people with whom we interact good at what they do. These interviews with Rachel Zayas and Michelle Long provide the kind of in-depth view into other career possibilities that most of us rarely encounter in everyday life. I'm not looking for a job in either of these situations, but I feel I learned a tremendous amount from both of them. I'm confident you will as well. So just sit back, Listen, learn, enjoy. When you're done, join the dialogue in the LinkedIn discussion group. What other advice would you give a people in, let's start on the academic side, people in academia who want to transition or want to set themselves up in a position to be open to transition? What are the important things that they should do?
1: Michelle Long. It's a very good question. I mean, I think making a name for yourself, getting out there, networking, all of that that you're doing in in academia is also very helpful for a career in industry, especially if you're you know going to be working in industry in the same disease area as you've been mostly uh, clinically interested in. Because all of those connections it really help you. Um, I would say that simple practical advice, a LinkedIn page, was helpful for me. Maybe it'll be helpful for you. <laughs> um, so that could be good. And you know, getting involved with investigator initiated studies or talking with um, companies about if you want, have a clinical trial program. I think that also helps if you don't know much about industry, that could be a way to be introduced at least to some aspects of industry and give you some context about what this could look like and also just shows your your interest in drug development if, if that's where you want to go. But then don't be afraid to to reach out to people. I mean, certainly me, of course, but other people, you know, that you meet and, and just ask them, like you go to the booth and say, we can talk about your drug or whatever, but can I also ask you a personal question? I would always be very happy to answer questions like that. And I, I never thought to do that. I wonder why, you know, because I think I think people are happy to talk about their lives and you can and you can learn a lot just from just from talking to people and asking. So I would say be be bold and, and just ask.
0: Okay, so now let's let's flip the script, right? So you're now sitting in a corporate position and you will, if you're not already, be evaluating other people making the kind of who might make the kind of transition that you've made. What tells you that they will do well as compared to they might not?
1: You have to understand the reasons why they they might be wanting to look for a career change. You, you know, for me, I was very clear when this job was being being presented that I wasn't looking to change my career. They also thought, oh, well, that's actually kind of nice because it just means you're, you know, you are happy and we like, you know, we like people who aren't happy and burnt out. <laughs> so I think, you know, be, be careful and reflective around that because... There's certain issues that maybe are frustrations to you and maybe driving change. And you you have to really understand will that be better in this new career? You know, you need to do your research on that depending on what your reasons are. Um, So I think that would be important. Now I'm sitting in, in medicine and science. So this is where we're really designing the study, all the human trials. So a strong science background would be really important and, you know, demonstrating a knowledge of how clinical trials work just generally. I mean, I think that that would be really helpful. So if you've been a a site investigator or a co-investigator or something like that, that type of experience actually is really important to have.
0: Okay, great. One more question. And this is probably the most hypothetical. No, this is the one truly hypothetical question I've asked you. Okay. How does your experience differ from what you anticipate somebody would get if they went into a small company? Say a a company with either one product in market or no product in market developing their first product?
1: Oh, I'm sure it looks very, very different. there's a lot of security in a big company. And for me, that was very comfortable to make this change. I mean, there's a lot of what I do that doesn't feel at all different from what I did before. That being said, you know, then there's bureaucracy and steps and all of these other things that you get in a large organization. In a smaller company, you have the chance to actually move much faster. I mean, over the course of days, you could change the direction of your company. And we've seen this. So I think that could be very exciting. But then it also so there's a lot of stakes, uh, you know, that you have to take into account as well. There's maybe less security or, you know, if you don't know if you have a budget a year or two years down the line, I mean, that could be uncomfortable. That certainly would be uncomfortable for me. But maybe you're the type of person that really thrives in that kind of environment. And I think that kind of environment really, really breeds innovation and Resourcefulness and could be really exciting. Personally, I'm not there yet, but who knows? You know where this will take me now from here.
0: So I'm going to shift gears. You've had several different vantage points from which to look at everything that's going on in the space right now. What are the two or three things that our listeners should be thinking about for major events in fatty liver or, or steatotic liver disease in the next year? Other than the the, the obvious one is there, the obvious one is there's meterom um, uh, padupe date. Okay. Once you get past that, what are the what are two or three things you think will happen in twenty twenty four that will really shape the entire space?
1: We um, and this is this is also a reflection from the recent FDA workshop. One of my reflections from that was that there was a call to action. I mean, there really was people coming together saying, okay, we've had this conversation, let's keep the momentum going. We think, you know, we have something to show you. And it's, of course, I can't convince you in a 15 minute presentation that uh, we have anything, you know, that there's consensus, but it really did sound to me from there that the people in the field really wanna come together and have these conversations and are are ready to start coming to consensus. I don't know if that's going to happen by the end of 24. I certainly hope it does. Um, But I think if it doesn't happen so that the world sees I'm pretty certain it'll be happening in the background it's just whether or not that that product is there to show but there's going to be a lot more collaborations around moving the field and really shifting the field and learning you know from the over the last you know 10 years so i just think it's a super exciting time to be here
0: so if you're allowed to answer this question what percentage of your time do you anticipate will be spent on that issue over the next year
1: i think it'll be uh, a lot of my time will be spent on that I mean, I mean, it's, it's fun and it's needed and I won't be able to keep myself away.
0: Yeah. And by, and by the way, practically, you shouldn't because at the end of the day, the manufacturers will benefit from this A, from it happening and B, from knowing exactly how it's happening and what to do probably as much as or more than anybody else. So that's great. Uh, You have anything else you want to add before we're done? This has been, I think it's been a fantastic conversation. I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast in academia will get a tremendous benefit out of hearing it. It'll raise some questions, it'll answer some questions, but I think it'll be great for them. You have anything else you want to uh, touch on today?
1: No, I think I just want to reiterate that it's okay to not know what these careers look like, but don't be afraid to ask. You know, I'm putting myself out there. You can come and find me. I'm, I'm always happy to talk about this. This transition and what it's like, because, you know, you really do need to be proactive about seeking these types of experiences and in- engagements. We also just as a community need to be open to other pathways in science that, that might speak to people. So I hope that we can do that better moving
0: forward. Is it appropriate if they just find you through your LinkedIn page?
1: They can. I think they should find me through LinkedIn.
0: Michelle, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this interview. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next month in Boston. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded the conversation or send an email to questions at surfingmash.com. We'll be back next week with a more typical tsunami episode, this one focusing on patient screening and women's health issues. Until then, stay safe, surf on, we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.